All right, you pigs. Here's the deal. August 17th, Toronto, Ontario, Danforth Music Hall. August 19th, Montreal, Quebec, Beanfield Theater. Tickets available, chopotraphouse.com slash live. If you're from Canada and don't come to these shows and listen and or subscribe to our podcast, you're fucking dead to me. All right, Chapo, let's go. Monday, July 24th. Okay, to kick things off for today's episode. So I'm hanging out this weekend. I open up my computer. I check my timeline. What do I find? Matt Christman, co-host of Chapo Trap House. You stand accused of treat crimes. Felix Biederman, co-host Trap Chapo Trap House. You stand accused of backing uh, J.B. Pritzker color revolution on behalf of the CIA. Once a gentleman, account for yourselves. Um, I don't know. Sometimes you fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just how it is. Sometimes, um, you know, someone is like, here's $7 million for J.B. Pritzker's presidential campaign that he forgot to do this year. And I'm like, well, okay. What if I want to have four monitors? Wouldn't you do the same? Yeah. Uh, Matt, wh- what do you have to say for yourself? Well, speak now or forever hold your treats. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I said the word treats. I'm sorry that I, I did a no growth uh, to the American proletariat. Uh, and I will send them all a Lingenberger basket to make it up mm. to them, which I know they'll love because they're little fucking piggies. Uh, I, you know, uh, Matt's crimes. And by the way, I remain continually uh, the most uh, morally and ethically correct uh, Chapa host. Thank you very much. Um, but Matt, uh, the strays you caught seem to evolve from a discourse where once again, like I don't look at Twitter for 12 hours and I just miss it all entirely. Um, are we going to, so are, are, are we going to have bananas now? Is that good or bad? Can someone explain this to me? Are bananas pro-socialist or anti-socialist? I'm not really sure. It seems to break down on the kind of pro-growth versus degrowth. Uh, right, right. We have so, an official so, so party it's like, line right, on this. Right. It's like one of those arguments where it's like one group of people going like, well, you know, when my communist government takes over, we're not going to exploit the global south for bananas. And then another side that's like, well, actually, when my social democrat government under a parliamentary system takes over in America, we are going to have bananas, but through fair trade. And it's the like 35-year-old equivalent of being on a playground and being like, I'm Darth Vader, but I also have the powers of Superman. <laughs> well, no. Well, no, I'm actually Spider-Man, but I have many of Neo's abilities. It's uh, you know it's it's not going to happen. You you can really calm down. It it is amazing how heated it got. Considering it, I mean, the it pretty much looks like the banana question in the long term is solving itself. You know, like yeah. we're 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 getting to the point where it, no one's going to have to have a uh, ask them well, what do we do about the bananas because the bananas will be gone one way or the other. Uh, no no one's going to have to uh, pass a bill on the bananas. It's gonna. It's just happening already. Just relax. No, it's it's a it's a classic internet debate where the sole purpose of it is to differentiate yourself from people who are less good at being epically socialist than you are. I mean, it just seems like one of those things where it's like I can I I can kind of see both sides of it because on the one hand, you know, uh, well, yeah, of course, that's the like, whole point is that it's a thing that cannot be resolved through a fucking <laughs> yeah, argument. Yeah. Yeah. It cannot. There's it's like, well, this is an unsustainable system. Also, you can't just expect to have a popular political 
uh, agenda that tells people they can't have stuff that they're used to. Both correct. What do you do now? You just psychologize the other side and say that they're somehow like uh, mentally, uh, spiritually deficient and that you're better than them. That's it. You're done. Can I tell you what I I, I fantasized about happening? Yes. I thought about um, just like imagining this happening like in a public setting, like a university a university of old, perhaps, where everyone's wearing like gowns and caps and shouting at each other. And then I walk down the middle of the aisle and I like um, I do something that draws people's attention. Like I shoot a marathon pistol or something. And then I grab the microphone and I go in universities, socialists and communists like to argue about bananas. But in some parts of America the color of your bandana will get you killed. And then everyone beats the shit out of me and kills me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to happen. I mean, yeah, like to Matt's point that like, yeah, like you realize these, like these, these two conflicting thoughts in your head, but like can't really resolve them. I will attempt to resolve them right now by saying out of all the fruits that are currently in existence, I could probably do it without bananas. You know, I'd be fine with it. I think I'm mildly allergic to them. They may give me like a throat scratch. No, thank you. They're not that good. Here's the problem. What are we going to stick in the tailpipe of the cops that are given the job of following us around in sort of like a humorous ma- manner? What do you, what do you, what do you put in the tailpipe of a car? Yeah. Plantains. Plantains. <laughs> Those are going I mean, I'm right assuming too. that there'll be plenty yeah. of plantains that, that they're not going to be atta- <laughs> affected well, by it, They better not. Um, but like, uh, you know, on, on the topic of, you know, the, the, bananas <laughs> the sort of tropical fruit problem and its supply chain sort of solving itself um i, I just want to know uh did you guys see the story about um <laughs> how sam bankman fried uh employed his brother to buy a small south pacific island to preserve a nucleus of effective altruists uh, through an apocalypse. Yeah, a, a small island at sea level that has no soil to speak of. That's <laughs> yep. these guys really were the, the, the geniuses of the age who needed to be protected at all costs and needed to procreate as much yeah, as possible your- so that their genes could reach the stars. Yeah, yeah. He he is like I guess the real and shitty version of Veet from uh Watchmen. <laughs> uh, says, according to new court filings, Bankman Fried had chalked out how he would purchase the island nation of Nauru. Come the great fire or flood, he would move himself and his colleagues in the effective altruism movement into a bunker there to wait out the apocalypse. The ultimate strategy, according to the memo, was to purchase the sovereign nation of Nauru in order to construct a bunker shelter that would be used for some event where 50 to 99.99% of people die to ensure that most EAs survive. The memo also mentioned plans to develop sensible regulation around human genetic enhancement and build a lab there, noting that perhaps there are other things that's useful to do with a sovereign country, too. Nauru, the world's smallest island state, is located in the southwestern Pacific Ocean, 3,000 kilometers northeast of Australia. It has a population of fewer than 11,000 people who live in a land area of 21 square kilometers that has been ravaged by decades of phosphate mining. Yeah, this is, you'd be better off trying to start a new civilization on the fucking, on moon or Mars than this shit. Yeah, I do like the idea of, like, if they actually got to do this, because, like, in the event of, like, a nuclear war or just, like, an extinction-level event, the repopulation of humanity, one-third of all people would be descended from Sean McElwee, 
The next third would be descended from David Shore, and the final third from Sam Bakeman Fried. Uh, well, I mean, that's what the genetic that's what the genetics lab is for. Yeah, to iron out some of the kinks and the uh, the old code there. Um, but yeah, like I, that is definitely the most effectively altruistic thing you could do is just um, buy an island for you and your friends to survive the apocalypse. Well, when you are the smartest, most brilliant people on earth. It- because you're good at yeah. you're good at lying to people about how good you are at the computer. You deserve that. I do like that it's like an asthmatic five percent nation. <laughs> yeah. The fruit of effective altruism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it's also like, okay, that's their plan for like an extinction level event. This island that is like designed to be the most <laughs> annihilated by climate change. It's like I'm it's like if during the Cold War, you were like, I'm really worried about nuclear fallout. So I'm going to buy two contingency uh, places in case there's a nuclear war. I'm buying a condo that is literally on top of the White House, <laughs> suspended uh, th- like 50 feet above the White House. And then I'm going to live in one of the weird domes in that like weird Super Mario church. In Russia, <laughs> those are the two places I'm going to live if there's nuclear war. Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, wear a Target T-shirt and walk around the Pentagon. Um, uh, but once again, the, the if, uh, effective altruism—the the key word here being effective, bro. You got to start buying a property in Western New York, not fucking some South Pacific island where there's like no water or soil. Great Lakes, once again, billionaires, follow our lead. I mean, I'm not buying any property in Buffalo, but no, we we do no, no, we don't want them to do that. <laughs> no, okay. I just think like when they think of Buffalo, I mean, when they think of like surviving the apocalypse, they're thinking of like the island from Lost. They're thinking yeah. um, uh, fucking coconuts and palm trees. And I got news for you: anywhere in the world there's currently palm trees, not going to be a great place to bet the next hundred years on. Someone, uh, so, so um. Someone told me an effect of altruism. I think they might be lying to me, but I didn't bother to check it up. You know, uh, you know, like uh, Nikolai Costa, Walder, whatever the fuck. Of course. It, yeah. Jamie Lannister. Jamie. I was so I was talking about how like he only like he he refuses to be in a real movie. He yeah. only acts in Jason movies, right? He, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> he will not. He'll never except being in like a P.T. Anderson movie where it's like, hey, you're a se- sexually traumatized Navy Seabees veteran who like gets really into Methodism. No, fuck you. I want to be in a movie called The Bullet the Bullet Collector. <laughs> I want to play a guy who wears a waffle tee, Henley. And uh, I, I, I play a guy just na- named, you know, Coster in, in, a, in, a mo- in a movie called The Dream Farmer. <laughs> He only wants I love to your play conception like, of that Jason movie is as guys wearing Henleys who kill people. Uh, yeah, Mr. Coster will do. Uh, this is your agent here. We've got. Uh, can I can I get you in on this call with Scorsese? He'd like you to be in his next movie. No, I'm doing Dollar for a Kill. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself. I am never filming a movie outside Bulgaria. <laughs> I am only playing like uh, white guys who join the Aryan Brotherhood because of a car accident. 
Yo, Shot Caller literally... is a good movie. Shot Caller is a good movie. Is, it's Shot Caller is good. Dope. It is good. It is good. But that is the plot of the movie, basically. A guy basically like drives drunk and he becomes like the king of the Aryan Brotherhood. But someone replied to me, and this is probably bullshit because I've never heard it before, but I'm just going to accept it as fact. He said that Nikolai Custer Waldo is a uh, he's an effective altruist. And so he only affect he only accepts paychecks just for the paycheck itself, not the job. So he can donate more money to effective altruism. <laughs> that rocks. But that is like the best answer for that that I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, like, like it's either that or he legitimately loves the genre of movie. He knows what's good. Yeah. yeah. Check out Brian De Palma's Domino starring Nicolai Costa would do while Waldo. That has game. That has GameCube level graphics. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> Domino is such a bo- Domino is a movie that Olivia Benson would see. <laughs> Fucking um, bullshit fake movie. Along along similar lines about what <laughs> what someone in your replies told you about Nikolai Costello would do being a uh, effective altruist. Uh, someone in my mentions this week <laughs> told me that Carrie always sucked his dick at the 2002 premiere of Mask of Zorro. And I'm just going to say, I want to believe. Don't know if that's true either, but I've now accepted it as fact. All right. Well, um, speaking of uh, speaking of people sucking dick, uh, our boy Steven Crowder is back in the news. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if, if, I mean, his problem, I mean, I mean, like if, if you thought that um, his wife spilling on him was be, would, would end his troubles. Well, now his co-workers have gotten in on this racket here. Uh, exclusive. Steven Crowder sent photos of his genitals and enhanced drugs and super creepy workplace ex-staffers say. Um, my favorite thing in this story is that it was just like, yeah, he only showed his dick to his male co-workers and only when he was in a good mood, only when he was happy, which you well, know, I can relate well, to. Well, at, at least you knew then. Like, at least you knew if it was going to be a good or bad day at the office. Yeah. That's like you show up, at, you show up for the morning shakeup and his cock is out. You know, it's going to be an easy day. <laughs> Red hog and morning sailor take a uh, warning. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen put his balls on my shoulder. I think we'll get out of here by one today. <laughs> um, earlier this month, after repeated suspensions, louder with Crowder decamped from YouTube, where it commanded a mighty audience of 5.8 million subscribers to Rumble, a slightly less regulated but much smaller alternative. The show's audience has dwindled on Rumble to the point where his last five shows has averaged some 288,000 viewers, a far far cry from the millions Crowder once saw per episode. One former Louder with Crowder employee told Mediaite that during his time on the show, he received unsolicited sexually graphic texts that included photos of Crowder's genitalia. Those texts and images were reviewed by Mediaite. Okay, where who is a congressman that's going to blow these up and put them in like cardboard standouts <laughs> on the floor of Congress? The, the, the people we need have to got see to the know. dick. America demands it. We need to see the Crowder hog for democracy. Got, the people got to know he showed his dick because he was a communist. Um, it says here in the moment we dismissed it as sort of frat boy humor. In hindsight, it's super creepy and felt groomerish. The ex-employee said. It always You're felt adults. like child. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no one's grooming You're you. Ups. <laughs> I yeah. I'm a forty. I'm a forty-seven-year-old failed screenwriter who is groomed by a thirty-six-year-old failed child actor. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it always felt like childish behavior in the moment that then felt predatory in hindsight, he explained. Like he was always testing people's comfort levels with that kind of behavior because he was the boss and had no accountability. It just continued to happen. There was no one trusted to complain to. In addition to receiving unwanted sexual text messages, the former employee alleged that Crowder habitually exposed himself to other male staffers, a claim backed up by two other sources. In regards to him exposing himself in general, to my knowledge, he only exposed himself to male staffers. It happened all the time. It was a regular occurrence. It usually happened when he was in a really good sort of manic mood. So while we were all disgusted by it and it was never welcomed, it was preferable to him being in a bad mood and how he treated people in that state, the former staffer said. Stephen never explained it. We talked about it. It would just happen, and everyone would either throw out a fake, uncomfortable laugh or show clear disgust, which Stephen re interpreted as a reward for what he did, he continued. The more disgusted everyone seemed, the more pleasure he seemed to get from it. It's like how he couldn't understand we weren't in on his joke. Okay. I will say, I mean, like, so, like similar to stories about um, Amy Klobuchar um, beating her uh, staffers with staplers and stuff. It's just once again, like I have no sympathy for anyone yeah. who works for, you work for Crowder, Stephen Crowder, or that recent story about like labor canvassers asking for water or food and being told to go fuck themselves. Yeah, by the labor yeah. Party. <laughs> they're telling you, you deserve nothing. You will get nothing. Fuck you. Yeah, it's like um, I, I was just trying to work at my job of getting as many trans people to kill themselves as humanly possible. And I was sexually <laughs> harassed by a mentally ill man. Can you believe <laughs> this? Like, you can't me too, Steven Crowder, if you were working on that show. Like, you deserve that. I'm sorry. And and like, oh, oh, they want accountability in the workplace. Who the fuck are you? The DEI initiative and fucking louder with Crowder. And like, OK, people don't understand. People don't it's understand over there. It's sad in, in an independent media organization by guys. Four guys, for the fellas, this is just how work gets done. Yeah, We're, we we begin every show by by, by flush, flapping the dongs at each other, seeing how they look. It, it's how we, we pass the time. It's how we if, mark progress. Get, get get a good dry jack going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If we weren't sexually harassing each other, nothing would get done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how actual work happens. I'm like, oh, could you respond to this email? It's like, no. Can you tickle my balls? Come on, it's jokes. This is joke arounds and goof em ups. Come on, guys. That's how you get money in this business. Uh, this, this is how you know these allegations are true, by the way. <laughs> um, because if you go to Steven Crowder's Twitter, his tweets are like, what were your... <clears throat> this is literally from three hours ago. What were your thoughts on Barbie and Oppenheimer? <laughs> Just like, like no, uh, hey, nothing weird going on here. Uh, nothing strange being said about me. Just... Uh, Hey, has anyone seen the box office lately? Uh, going on here, it says, um, <laughs> another employee says, he does virtually nothing that a grown man should do for himself. Wash his own laundry, prepare his own food, buy his own groceries. Most of the time, someone else does all that for him. So he's like a child that needs to be taken care of. And his humor reflects that type of childish behavior. Another former employee said incidents of genital exposure in the workplace were so routine that they almost became unremarkable. The guys just talked about it amongst themselves, and I don't want to say it became normal, but it became less of a big deal. A different ex-staffer said Crowder would often make uncomfortable comments during a men's-only Bible study he held in 2021. The staffer said Crowder frequently remarked, 
that men used to be more physically intimate with each other and then would reference a passage from the Bible where Abraham's servant put his hand on Abraham's inner thigh to be closer to Abraham's descendants, i.e. his balls. <laughs> fellas, fell, I mean, that's not like, gay. Fellas, Nothing gay about that. <laughs> when the all-male Bible group gets a little sus, like, what are you doing? How are you, how are you reacting? This just sounds like a pious young man who who wants people to have the same reverence and intimacy of of the biblical patriarchs. Yeah, fellas, would you would you hold the meat of the founder of monotheism or not? Need it or keep it? Uh, Let's see. Going on here, it says. um, Multiple former staffers and a source close to Crowder claimed that the conservative firebrand would offer and ask staffers for prescription drugs like Klonopin, an anticonvulsant used to treat seizures and is also prescribed to treat anxiety, as well as cannabis gummies and opiates like Percocet. Mediaite reviewed test, exchange, text exchanges between Crowders and former employers confirming these claims. Stephen was known for passing out prescription drugs fairly freely, one employee said. Why the fuck are you complaining? He sounds like a great boss. Honestly, He's like, yeah. oh, I had a tough day at work. Take this perk 30. You'll be fucking floating. I mean, that that's a fair trade. Like, you have to see Steven Crowder's meat, but then you get, like, um, a, like a handful of downers. Most people would go for that. I, I do, I am tickled by the idea of Steven Crowder asking all these church nerds to find him drugs. <laughs> He's like, look, look, I, I, need, I, I need perks. I need Roxy's. I need Oxy-80s. The ones without without the tamper proof seal. I need uh, I need fucking tramadol. I need all this shit. You need to find it for me. And all these guys who like have just gone to mega churches their whole life come back to him with a handful of Tylenol, St. John's Wort, and melatonin. <laughs> Here, Steven, this is the hardest stuff that I have in my house. Well, I mean, a little advice if you are a current louder with Crowder staffer and he's you know um, putting the full court press on you to get him some perks. I mean, pressed pills are just as good, and they're like kind of opiates. They're usually pretty reliable. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, get, get some pressies for, for for Crowder. Yeah, get some press. Like literally, whatever you find like on the street is good enough. And it, 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 if it doesn't have like the Percocet logo, if it doesn't have the M, if it has something like I don't know, a really poorly done Bentley logo. <laughs> yes, that's even yes. better. Yeah, if there's yes, a minion a, on it. That's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, remember, remember back like during the uh, <laughs> when his home security system was leaked to Yashar Ali, and he was like screaming at his wife about their dog. And Felix, you said he was taking the dog's chemotherapy medication. I mean, once again, like <laughs> how, how correct were you? <laughs> he was taking dog opiates and shit, <laughs> yeah. his dick out, getting fucking loose. <laughs> this he really he's in our he's the unk in RXK nephew's song. <laughs> yes, unk took the perk and he's getting gay with the employees. <laughs> uh, well, um, always, always good to check out with how things and you know, like I, I glanced over it. Uh, in this article, because the stuff about um, him jacking off and taking perks was too funny, but um, God, going from five point three million viewers to two hundred, about like three hundred thousand on Rumble, ooh, goddamn! I mean, that the checks, as long as the checks clear, I think that's the only thing that matters. Yeah, but like, I don't know, like him, him and Tucker, like when Tucker did the Twitter show, I thought that was gonna like, 
I, I don't know. I was like naively. I was like, oh, this should be a good format for him. But now this motherfucker is on like xvideos.com. Thanks to fucking Elon <laughs> Musk getting like dozens of views on his, you know, uh, his fucking episodes. I mean, I think the the path here is pretty clear that he will soon be putting the dick out on X yeah, videos. Only itself. fans. Only fans. It's come. It's it's the solution to all of his problems. Oh, oh, wait. No, he's Tucker is there's going to be some brand synergy. He is going to be a third in the Island Boys only fans. <laughs> 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 they're twin. They're twins. Are their dicks identical? We don't know. Ooh, is one of them circumcised and one of them's not? Tonight, we're going to find out. <laughs> Space docking. <laughs> get that yeah. fucking, get that seal. We're, we're fucking, doc- this is a Gemini program up in this motherfucker. But yeah, we really like, yeah, I, someone pointed out that it is like on paper, it's horrifying. Like, just the concept, right? Like, the single most successful, like, uh, right-wing propagandist in modern America, right? Him and yeah. the richest man in the world link up and they're like, let's, you know, let's collab. That's a horrifying idea. The result is I have no idea what Tucker is doing. I don't hear about him at fucking all. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And they're doing the thing. They're doing the same thing that Netflix did with the Queen's Gambit, where they're like, uh, actually, 700 million people watch the show. They're doing that with Tucker's show where they're counting everyone who scrolls by it as viewing like a full 30 minute episode. So they're like, Oh, uh, 70 million people watched this interview with Andrew Tate. I haven't even seen a single fucking clip of it. No, like I, yeah, I, I, I like seek out a lot of this stuff. I just do not hear about it anymore. No one is fucking watching this. Well, this is actually a perfect segue into our uh, next topic for the day. Uh, along the lines of right wing influencers who are also on that gay shit. Um, did you guys see the uh, the profile of the Bronze Age prevert by Rosie Gray for Politico? I mean, like I, Bronze Age perverts, one of those guys that's like very influential on the new right. And I feel like, you know, he's he's talked about me like these like esoteric uh, in like, you know, like these kind of hushed tones of reverence and awe. Look, I understand Politico isn't exactly the most esoteric news outlet, but I read this article being like, where are we going to get to the grim, true, grim and brutal truths? Where are all the grim and brutal truths? Because I'm reading I'm gonna, I don't know how much you guys know about this guy. I've only just like absorbed it secondhand. Like, I'm not going to read his fucking book. But reading this article, he just like comes across as basically like that, like a, like a younger Victor Davis Hansen. Like those like all the neocon yeah, guys yeah. who are really sprung for like ancient Greece and Rome. But like, I guess like his evolution is that he has shorn himself uh, of any need to promote or like America as a project and heterosexuality as a lifestyle. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's basically that it's like a refined, you know, real masculinity in the classics type thing, but very much refined for the modern age. Um, He was like he was a really big, uh, big figure around like, do you remember when it was a big deal, like the Bannon faction versus the um, Javanka faction in the Trump White House? Yeah. And he was like, you know, reading him, reading his book was like that was a big sign if you were a White House staffer that you were on like the based side. 
you know. Yeah, you like were, the, were cool. in the in this article, like Michael Anton, the sort of um, Michael White Anton. House, sorry, he's like the the he's like well, you know, like you know, uh, who's the big guy, like the big sartorialist? Michael Anton's like the little sartorialist. sartorialist. <laughs> yeah, 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 Michael Anton, Ezra Watnick Cohn is he was a guy on the National Security Council, which I always laughed at that. Ezra Watnick Cohn is like a name they would make on 8chan to make fun of a Jewish guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, 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 uh, sir, can you calm down? Be a little less Jewish out there with your name. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, all a lot. Basically, um, everyone who got like shit canned from the Trump NSC or do you remember that Kai? uh, What the fuck is that guy's name? Kai Patel or Kai something Patel. You know who I'm talking about? The Trump lawyer. No, Ooh. no. I mean, I've like, uh, pro- uh, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, it's not, not ringing any bells. Um, But uh, there's a Trump lawyer, uh, cash Patel, cash Patel. Sorry. He was, um, gotten to some like January 6th type trouble. You know, one of those boring federal court cases where it's like, did, you know, did you get an email or not? And I read some funny transcripts where the judge is yelling at him for wearing a T-shirt in federal court while representing <laughs> himself. But it, it, it's like, like like those types of guys, right? Yeah. Like guys who are fuck ups but could get it together enough to like get a, a juris doctor, right? And then work in the Trump White House. Those were the BAP guys in Washington. Well, it's like whenever I like encounter it secondhand, it's like they refer to his book and like his persona as this kind of like thing that's passed around like dissident groups, like a sort of like encode or whatever. And it's this like, you know, uh, a creed accord to masculine fitness and uh, I don't know, fascism or whatever you want to call it. But basically, he's a a Romanian guy. He's a Romanian-American guy with a Ph.D. from Yale. Um, it says he. Uh, it says here published an article titled "Jair Bolsonaro and the Populist Crisis in Brazil" in Palladium Magazine, an online journal that was associated with the anti-democracy, pro-authoritarian neo-reaction movement. His name is uh, Alamariu. I'm not going to try with that one. Uh, announced on Twitter, he was retiring his account, though it's unclear when he or if he posted on the account previously, and no earlier posts were visible. And tagged far-right figures like Steve Saylor and Ann Coulter. Hi, Steve. I closed my account, but reopened to post some new articles. Hope you follow back. You might be interested in this one about Brazil, he wrote to Sailor. Um, but like, once again, I like I was just reading this article scanning for for grim and brutal truths. And um, this is, this is uh, here's where we get like, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if like if Rosie Gray, I, I just kept expecting to see something I hadn't seen before. But we get stuff like this. Uh, Bap argues that modern society should take after ancient Greece when beauty, strength, and courage were prized above all else. In particular, Bap prizes the classical conception of masculinity and wants men to emulate it. The key relationship that gave society its strength in civilizations like ancient Greece, Bap argues, was not that between men and women or within families, but between young men who performed great deeds together. In Bap's ideal world, these male friendships should be a young man's focus. In his telling, modern society wants to weaken these masculine bonds because of their threat to the established order. Every great thing in the past was done through friendships between two men or brotherhoods of men, and this includes all great political things, all acts of political freedom and power, he writes in Bronze Age Mindset. To which I gotta say, like, I mean, shit, like, 
going from my own life story, I agree. I mean, like we 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 linked up, fellas. We got we got a plug, and we've been all we can be ever since then. I think we've done great and powerful things together as our sort of bond among you know youngish men. It's true, but it it, it could be improved if we uh, fucked each other though. I mean, I Felix lives impl- ways. I think that's the uh, undercurrent here is that it's it can only get you so far unless you're just yeah linking uh dicks and doing the the frittage with the thigh stuff that's that's where the real energy comes from well well, i've been lifting less weights and i have been doing more pilates now people have made fun of me for that but i like to think that i prestiged weightlifting like i already finished it you know i did at one point many years ago i have a 500 pound deadlift so i don't have to do it anymore i proved the point and um i would say my pilates abilities will make me better at having sex with the both of you. Well, uh, you know, uh, it says, look, society wants you to refuse the load. They want you to refuse any load that's offered to you. But in ancient Greece, that was not the case. That was a no loads uh, refuse type, yeah. type place. That's what Greek democracy actually refers to. A democratic <laughs> acceptance of loads. Going on here, uh, here's, here's, some more, uh, here's some more grim and brutal truths. Um, from a eugenic point of view, we should accept and encourage the so-called gay liberation movement, Bap wrote. He believed, he wrote, that it is very likely that the majority of human males are homosexual. Furthermore, <laughs> it is better to encourage them to be so in order so that the few 2 to 3% of men who are alpha by nature should impregnate most of the women. There will be social chaos and an era of destruction upon us, but human nature will benefit as the majority of men who are homos will no longer breed. This proposal presages a key plank of modern Bapism, the degeneration of family life and the valorization of the male alpha. Bap's post on Sala, where his profile picture was a fully nude male figure shot in back from black and white from behind, sometimes amount to juvenile shit posting. Obama won because I masturbated, he posted on November 7, 2012. His posts show an interest in the same themes that continue to animate his career today. Which men are gay and how not gay he is, bodybuilding, genetics, nationalism, beauty. I mean, I, once again, like, I, I know this is like the dissident new right, but we're like, it's just the gay shit is the only stuff that's new. Like, uh, it goes on to talk about how one of these um, uh, sort of like neocon Bush administration creeps named Edward Litwak, who is a huge like Israel Iraq war hawk, is, a, is also a, he's like an 80 year old guy who uh, just, you know, like, he's finally coming classics. out. Yeah. <laughs> He's like uh, he's like Christopher Plummer and Beginners. <laughs> As I, I read this guy and I realized I'm one of, I'm one of the the gay alphas. I I need to fuck a young boy. Where is he? I mean, I think it's just like he, he what like because like the the neocons they like they they were inspired by you know like the Roman Empire, but they wanted they wanted it wed to the project of like American Empire. And I think like the new thing with BAP and the dissident right is that they're like fuck America, America's evil, but we still want an empire. We still want to be like you know a consul or some sort of protect. I don't know. They I don't know. They just want dick basically i'm not sure i guess that's the idea is yeah you create like a international uh a nationalist international of of uh, dudes who who are dtf and they all meet each other in bathrooms and then they take over the world as a classicist he's very serious lutwak said bap's ideology reflects a very deep interest and a sophisticated understanding of the bronze age lutwak believes that european cultures are dying out because of the abandonment of a bronze age ideology that once made them great once you don't have young people, you don't have young energies, you just have very cautious old people. Society cannot be vigorous intellectually, culturally, or in any other way. 
God, this <laughs> talk about like the gay guy at the retirement home. <laughs> We're all the young men. Fuck. <laughs> We're, we, need, we need an injection of youthful energy back into our culture. This this is this sounds like Lou Pearl. Yeah, Lou this Pearlman. is Pearl, Lou Pearlsman. Yeah, bitching bitching at his apartment. <laughs> I was in Fire Island the other week, and there was honey. I was looking around for youthful energies, and there was none to be seen. <laughs> It's only 30 over 30 over here. (laughs) Uh, Modern people must cooperate, be sensitive, avoid conflict. Modern men must treat women as equals. But women love warriors, Lutwak said. And the Bronze Age concept of individual freedom was antithetical to anything social, was antithetical to society. It was truly individualistic. And the Greeks were happy with that. But the central fact about it is the affirmation of life as an individual artistic act. I pointed out that most men nowadays won't have the opportunity to die in glorious combat. Lutwak countered that he himself had volunteered for three different wars with the Israeli armed forces. So I experienced it, and I felt totally exhilarated and empowered by it. The Bronze Age pervert is raising the fundamental question before European civilization and its American extension, which is, are you willing to admit and acknowledge this kind of life-affirming ideology, which is what this is, Lutwak said. It, so I mean, so it, it, does, it doesn't sound like that many young people are into this. It sounds like it's all like fifty-three-year-old Bush administration veterans. Yeah, yeah it's it, all guys who like were too closeted to like really enjoy their twenties, you know, to really like get cored out, and now they're sort of looking back wistfully. Yeah, these are all guys who spent their twenties being like, you know. I don't I don't know if we could send DVDs of stepbrothers to the troops in Iraq that might rile them up too much. <laughs> and now, now they're like, I I'm supposed to fuck men in a military campaign. This is like uh, the know, bananas thing. It's like there's already plenty of places to go and and violently die right now in this world. And there's yeah. going to be more yeah. in the future. So why write a book? Just go and do it. But Matt, go fucking do it. What's Matt. stopping you from doing it? It's an ideology that celebrates life, okay? Go and do it then. Stop bitching about it. Stop being on the internet. Stop writing like, books like the wrong kind of gay guy. I, I read this article and it was just like, I know like that the, the dissident right it has very much like associates themselves with being like completely antithetical to like the neoconservative era of like the Bush administration and the war on terror. But all these guys just seem like they're still swimming in the same backwash, but like their imperial project just fucked up so that they're like now like fuck america i'm i like dick now but what are they doing are they are they're still voting for republicans right i mean what else are they doing anything other than the, what the rest of us are doing the rest of us um, fucking housebroken uh neutered males um volunteering for the israeli armed forces well, he should go back <laughs> they'll take him don't have much more on the that's the bronze age pervert everybody got a uh, like, like just basically a like a, a quick triple pack a, a fun a, su- a super fun pack of drivel from the new york times this week and i'm not gonna read all of these th- things here but i just want a little little quick hits from the heavy hitters tom friedman nicholas Kristoff, brett stevens and i'm not gonna torture you guys too much with reading i'm just gonna be like a paragraph from each of these bozos and we'll just see what's up with the world of the new york times 
beginning with it's time for it's time to start discussing the unmentionable by Nicholas Kristof for the New York Times. He writes, Israel is in the headlines evoking tumultuous debate, yet one topic remains largely unmentionable. So let me gingerly raise it. Is it time to think about phasing out American aid for Israel down the road? Ooh, boy. What do we think? Wait, wait, Christoph is cutting off the money spigot to Israel. Is he? Is he just uh, there? There, oh, this right wing government to theirs. Is it's, he's had enough of them? Because I, I guess, like, uh, like in in the minds of these people who are so horrified by the current Israeli government, they're like, it's basically because like they're making Israel look bad, and that's why we're beginning to broach the unmentionable topic of cutting off the ridiculous military and foreign aid. He says the $3.8 billion in annual assistance to Israel is more than 10 times as much as the U.S. sends to far more populous nations, the far more populous nation of Niger, one of the poorest countries in the world and one under attack by jihadis. In countries like Niger, that sum could save hundreds of thousands of lives a year, or here in the United States, it could help pay for desperately needed childhood programs. There's a legitimate counter-argument that any reduction in aid could be perceived as a pullback of support for Israel in ways that might invite aggression by, say, Iran. That risk can be mitigated by approaching the issue as a long-term discussion for the next bilateral memorandum of understanding about aid due by 2028 and likely to stand for 10 years, and by reaching other security agreements with Israel. Uh, what, what do you make of this? Are we, are we going to... Are we finally going to say enough is enough for Israel? Because Nicholas Kristof is beginning to feel a little bit disturbed. He's not the only one. I mean, Martin yeah. Indyke just came out and said that, too. Yeah. Like, there actually are some people who have been carrying water for these motherfuckers for decades who are now like, OK, you know, if you don't want uh, this relationship, then we can do that. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if how far that goes. I mean, I, I assume at this point it's all just an attempt to sort of, you know, uh, snap them back to reality and maybe maybe discipline them a little bit, but it doesn't seem like they're going to take any uh, any advice from anybody. They seem like they have decided on their course of action. Uh, I highly doubt, though, that uh, it's anything other than a bluff by a bunch of, you know, in their own minds, well-meaning uh, want guys who think that anybody gives a shit what they write in the newspaper. Right. Um, I was surprised to see that, like, yeah, Martin Indyk and there were a few other guys that were that were on that. It was a surprising group of people that you would uh, not expect to see. But yeah, I generally agree that yeah, it's a ploy. It's a ploy to you know hopefully make Israel behave more normally, uh, make them remember that they're supposed to be a proxy. But I mean, you know, it just it's way too far along for them to act normal now. No, yeah, there's no like, normality it, happening in Israel. They are way, like, okay, if you're Israel and you're accustomed to being able to, like, you know, with American politics, go as far as, like, you know, an election on, like, the Evanston, Illinois City Council <laughs> and be like, this guy's anti-Israel. <laughs> like, spend, <clears throat> and, like, campaign against him. You're not pulling back from that. You know, you're not like you, you're not pulling back from your ability to make people go to your stupid joint addresses to Congress that everyone has to go to for some reason. I, I mean, like maybe one day in the distant future, this may actually become something that's possible that I mean, the fact that these guys aren't immediately being killed for suggesting this is yeah. um, heartening to some extent, but um 
I, yeah, I would need to see something concrete before I really get my hopes up. Well, hold your hopes right there because Thomas Friedman's coming through. Only Biden can save Israel now. Well, if that's the case, Israel, <laughs> you guys had a good you run. Had a good run. But pack it in. Pack, take, take a lap because you're, the, 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 I don't know. I mean, like, even leaving aside, because once Thomas Friedman starts weighing in on this, like, it's just <laughs> that canary is choking out its last breaths. But, like, I don't know. What's the over under on Israel existing in like 50 years' time if they continue with this shit? I mean, they got nukes, so you yeah, know, they'll either yeah. still be there or they'll just be a big crater in the ground. Well, Joe, well, uh, I, well I, I, I mean, I think they'll exist, but like they'll, I mean, it just it's going to be like super Russia, meaning that it'll it'll be like a mega kleptocratic, uh, just like rump state that's run on pure graft and um i don't know the sell the process where they like everyone is selling each other nukes will be fun but it, it it will be basically like yeah um super russia which is kind of appropriate given the immigration patterns there you know i just uh i just saw oppenheimer yesterday and I've decided that I'm a Yimby for nukes now. I'm like, yes, build ev- build nukes. Everyone build nu- build build atomic devices. We need to like just zoning laws have really capped the number of nuclear devices and uh, detonations that anyone can do. And I think that's wrong. So I'm saying yes to atomic weapons everywhere. We just got to let nuclear weapons developers build enough of them and give them to everybody. The, the market will sort of like, you know, like yeah. eventually, eventually nuclear weapons will trickle down to the people who really need them. But there are a lot of people that really needed an A-bomb and we're not building any right now. So that's a problem. Hezbollah actually did. They got around that in a very clever way a few years ago. They um, there was some dispute with Israel and they pointed a bunch of missiles at an Israeli nuclear power plant. <laughs> and they were like, um you know, we may not have a nuke per se, but we're we're prepared to turn this into a nuke. And it worked, <laughs> apparently. It was something I heard on Radio War Nerd. I wish I remembered <laughs> the details a little better, but I always thought that was cool. Uh, I just want to read you, like, just quick from Thomas Friedman here. Dear President Biden, <laughs> he opens up his columns like it's a letter. Dear President Biden. Uh, in October 1973, the armies of Egypt and Syria launched a surprise pincer Don't tell attack him on- that. <laughs> he forgot it, and he's going to forget as soon as you finish telling it to him again. As the Israeli army fell low on ammunition, your predecessor, Richard Nixon, ordered a massive airlift of weaponry that helped save the only Jewish democracy from being destroyed from the outside. Fifty years later, Mr. President, this Jewish democracy urgently needs another airlift to save it from being destroyed from the inside. It needs an urgent resupply of hard truths, something only you can provide. <laughs> I love Thomas Friedman so much. I just, nobody is doing it like he is. <laughs> Mr. President, sir, we need an 500 cc's of facts. Stop. We, we need an airlift of stern talking to's now. Have some more falafel, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, He says, but I'm afraid this Israeli government needs another dose of your tough love, not just from your heart, but from the heart of U.S. strategic interests as well. That ought to do it, I think. Yeah. He's just going to straight talk it to him. He's going to stop halfway through and start reverently describing the 1956 uh, Ford Fairlane. And that's going to do the job. Uh, Look, 
I'm about practical solutions. And like, look, look, when Thomas Friedman and Nicholas Kristof are saying Israel needs some tough love, then like, holy shit, are they, like, are they, are they really pissing people off? But like, look, we're not going to cut off our military or foreign aid to Israel. We're going to let them continue to bulldoze settlements and fucking steal people's houses and shoot ambulance drivers and shoot whatever, whatever the fuck they want. Here's one practical thing I think America should do to put Israel on notice. And that's kidnap Jonathan Pollard and send his ass back to jail in America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just render Just his ass back to bow. fucking the feds. Because fuck that guy. Like, did he like literally like proliferate nuclear weapon uh, technology? Yeah, that was yeah, that was basically it. I mean, actually, no, I support that now that I'm a Yimby. So I take that sub- back. But still, his, his ass is going back to the feds. Well, the supposed deal with Pollard is that he the nuclear the nuclear information Israel didn't want like Israel was already had nukes or they were developing them, but they were selling that to Russia. So Russia would like give them a population transfer. Right. Uh, and so they could get a, a much needed um, white people injection. That was the whole deal with that. It's insane that they let him out. I mean, Robert, I know, Hansen, really Robert Hansen, like same type. He of just thing, died. Just died in prison. Jonathan Pollard. Um, no. Yeah. He's, he's got a fat pension in Israel too. So just, they would cough him up, send him back. Send him back no, to just fucking send, jail. Just send a fucking send us a, a SEAL Team Six to just swipe his ass, <laughs> like bag him, and and then zip him up on a helicopter and get him out of there. A Navy SEAL ice cream truck. <laughs> he was the um. Those are my favorite comic strips of all time. The, the dry, dry bones, bo- yeah, yeah, dry bones. The Zionist, uh, the Zionist web comic where it would just like. They there are like twenty comics where there's no joke. It's just the main character of Dry Bones, which is just like a fifty year old bald Jewish guy going, "Please, Obama, free Jonathan Pollard." <laughs> he hates Mondays. Yeah, it would be anything that would make the Dry Bones guy like do a suicide bombing or something would be worth trying. I think. All right, and then finally, uh, this is Brett Stevens. He's not talking about Israel, but he is t- turning in this column. What I learned in Ukraine. So, you know, you're in for some good shit here. He says here, um, last week, a friend asked me what I could learn from a four day trip to Ukraine. I was planning that I couldn't glean just by reading the news. It was a fair question. With the trip now behind me, I can answer. I learned that Ukrainians have no interest in turning their victimization into an identity. I learned that for all the aid we've given Ukraine, we are the true beneficiaries in the relationship and they are the true benefactors. Ben Wallace, Britain's usually thoughtful defense minister, suggested, oh, moved on from the uh, Pistons, I guess. Well, still playing defense. Uh, Suggested after this month, this NATO summit, that Ukrainians should show more gratitude to their arms suppliers. That gets the relationship backward. NATO countries are paying for their long-term security in, in money, which is cheap, and munitions, which are replaceable. Ukrainians are counting their costs in lives and limbs lost. Is our Brett Stevens learning? I mean, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, yeah, they're they're definitely getting the better deal of this fucking bargain. Do you know we're in the uh, Wikipedia article for Dry Bones? Really? Yeah. What, what does it say? I, well, I'm, I'm surprised Dry Bones has a Wikipedia article, but uh, we're the entire, we're really just the entire criticism section. <laughs> we're the only people who've ever, ever, ever criticized it. Yeah. The, because the, it's it, that good. Yeah. It's one sentence. 
The comic strip was criticized in an episode of the, of the podcast Chapa Trap House for its alleged poor quality and racist undertones. <laughs> it's alleged poor quality. You could say alleged <laughs> racist undertones, but I mean, they, look at he that can't fucking... be bothered to have two circles for the two eyes on the guy. The, the fucking that it's a Venn diagram. It sucks. <laughs> oh, there's what we talk about. Um, how about how about how about Vivek Ramaswamy? How about how about he's, he's he's creeping up there in the polls? I mean, like he's tied with DeSantis in some of these fucking polls. And you know, he's getting a lot of burn right now. I think like, uh, what, what do you guys make of uh, Vivek and um, as a possible DeSantis substitute? I mean, obviously, every bit is doomed and stupid. But what do you make about Vivek? Because I've noticed that like now that he's getting a lot of burn and people are like, mm, this, this guy, this young whippersnapper is onto something. Certain segments of the Christian right are like, he worships a fucking cow. <laughs> he's like, he's not going to swear on the Bible. He's a fucking Hindu. Like, you know, how many lives has this guy led already? Fuck him. Yeah, but he's um, trying but, to lean into it. He's like, yeah, but but uh, I don't. Gay people are not good. That we have that in common. It doesn't matter if it was Jesus or the elephant guy. We're all in agreement on the gays. But I don't know. Do we, do we think Ramswami has more sauce than we originally thought, or or is is, no. is, is this a sauce no. mirage? No, yeah. this is this is more like this has more to do with DeSantis sucking. Yeah, than yeah. Vivek being anything. Uh, Vivek uh, continues his perhaps fruitful campaign to one day be the Republican secretary for transportation one day years from now. Yeah, I think he might be the mayor Pete of this thing, but he'll never get that kind of media phenomenon because of media's liberal bias. But he could just, yeah, stick around longer than you would think for his original profile. And then, yes, get get some minor post as a reward. Yeah. Um, the cre- um, I'm sorry. The creator of Dry Bones alleges <laughs> that him and four other computer programmers built an artificial intelligence program that had, quote, the personalities of a Jewish mother and a Jewish uncle called Mom and Murray. <laughs> okay. I take back every bad thing I've ever said about Ted Kaczynski. He was right. <laughs> is it like, do you think, is he lying? He has to be lying. Like there's no way you did that dry bonds. I don't believe you. I cannot wait for the, the mom and Murray AI to take control of Israel's nuclear arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) Skynet started kvetching on August 28th, 2023. All right. I guess we can, we can, we can discuss the DeSantis fail parade uh, on Thursday. Cause uh, let's, let's wrap it up here for today, fellas. Mm-hmm. Uh, once ooh, again, ooh. I'm going to remind you, Canada, we're playing there in August 17th and 19th. Tickets available at choppotraphouse.com slash live. Gentlemen, till next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.